Hey, what's going hey, on? Hey, there he is. How you doing, bro? Oh, good, man. Good. Busy, yeah, you busy, sound busy. you sound out of breath. <laughs> oh man, dude, I've been I've been running around all day. And well, other than the interview when I was sitting down, but uh, yeah, lots of uh, it's been so busy for me the last uh, few days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's you know what when you're when you're a parent, it's like oh, dude, everything's multiplied. Yeah, it's like wow. <laughs> I got a really. I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, synchronicity, right? Uh, um, my wife and my son are are going out to the movies now, and um, my daughters are at my sister's because they have to sleep over because uh, they head off for Veterans Day and stuff. So. It worked out really good where I have yeah, the, like, the, the stars have aligned so that we can sit down and talk shop for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helps. It helps. I can always say, Hey, can you guys go upstairs or yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it is? But when there's nobody in the house, it's like so nice. Nice. Check it out, dude. I don't know if you've noticed little cheeky project unit yeah. logo. Eh? <laughs> Did you get it available in the US? No. So for everyone listening, I'm still getting that sorted out. I just need, basically I can, uh, there is a, a European store up and running. Um, I, the only place I don't think it goes to right now is Australia, which I'm trying to sort out. But, um, yeah, basically it's a really weird thing because it's, it's YouTube's own platform for merchandise. I think it's called spring uh, spreadshirt. And, um, it's not very streamlined, like especially when you're dealing with a U.S. audience. You'd think they'd cater to a U.S. audience very easily, or like at least allow you to merge the shops. But um, yeah, I've got to basically set up another, basically a duplicate store for the U.S. side, and I've got to redo all the designs. I can't even import the designs over from oh, this shop. Wow! Like, right, so I've basically got to do everything I just did for this one again for the U.S. one, and then provide two links, I guess, in my description box. So it's a bit awkward, really. It's a, it's a bit annoying, but um, yeah. I mean, I I got this today. It came a few days earlier than I thought it would, which is nice, and I like the feel of it, man. It's got a good feel to it. It's got a good look to it. Project Unity logo came out nice and clear. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got I've got a few people in the UK that have already got some stuff. I know my mom even bought something for someone for Christmas. So shout yeah. out to mom supporting the supporting the platform. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, it's, it's pretty good. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? You should do it for meta perspective, I reckon, because, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, you know, I think I'm. I'll do it for both meta perspective and engaging the phenomenon. Yeah, um, yeah. Engaging the phenomenon, I, I was nice enough that um, Olaf made those designs. Mm. Uh, which oh for, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those shout out to Olaf. Incredible. So um, yeah, yeah my, mom, my mom, fantastic. was wearing one today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. His art is incredible. Yeah, it's, it it really is. It really is. Well, dude, look, why don't you tell people listening because you know. You and I, we've known each other for a little while now. You were one of the first people that I actually got into contact with when I started the UFO research field. And, uh, um, you know, you've always been someone that I consider really credible when it comes to the very controversial side of this, which is the idea of contacting the phenomenon using consciousness or meditation methods or expanding consciousness methods to in some way initiate a form of contact. You know, this is extremely controversial. This corner of the conversation absolutely has its fair share of crazy people um but i don't consider you one of them at all and you've always been someone that i think is uh, reliable and, and honest about your experiences and uh, 
even though it's great to just have a chat with you, I got you on because you've recently had an experience that's actually quite similar to mine, apparently. And I, I purposefully told you not to tell me what it was because I want to hear about it for the first time and uh, and people can see my reaction to it and we can talk about it. But before we do that, um, why don't you just give people who haven't heard of you a little rundown of what you do and how long you've been doing it? Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, my name is James Iandoli. I run at the platforms Engaging the Phenomenon and uh, now recently meta perspective, um, you know, like going meta kind of thing. Um, I Wow. So um, I, I've been involved in, um, you know, research for UFOs and, and both and consciousness for, uh, I could basically say my whole life. Cause even when I was very young, I had, um, what could be considered meta metaphysical, um, experiences, um, everything from, you know, entities to out-of-body experiences to synchronicities to deja vus and, you know, you name it. And that, that really, from a very young age, my mind was already open. There's no, I never thought it was like weird, um, to look into these subjects and, it, you know, it so happens. I know you're younger, Jay. Um, but even for me, like I grew up and there was already like ET and close encounters of the third kind and, um, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars and all that stuff was already out there. So the idea of um, extraterrestrials was not very, um, you know, like people that are maybe 10, 20, 30 years older than I am, um, you know, their indoctrination and culture was a bit different, you know. So being a millennial, that was already, you know, not as stigmatized, you know. Um, so having those experiences, though, um, made a very strong impression on me from a, a young age to take these topics seriously. And it wasn't like uh, I was older and I remember them. I mean, I, I those were always lucid and vi vivid experiences and memories for me constantly. So it was a, a constant thread in my life. Um, but at, um, in 2007, everything really, uh, just kicked off for me with a series of experiences, UFO encounters that I could no longer kind of just read books about it and watch documentaries. At that point, I had, to, I felt it necessary to get, you know, directly involved with the subject and engaging the phenomenon, so to speak. And, you know, through that, I, um, I found, I eventually found CE5 uh, and the CE5 initiative, and I created the first social um, networking groups that involve CE5 on the internet. And uh, I got involved in field work and, and, and going out and doing CE5s, uh, you know, hundreds of expeditions and, and outings. And, um, and I, I was kind of low key on the UFO scene at that point, even though I was directly engaging with that, I wasn't so much outspoken in the UFO community. Um, but I, I would speak to all the researchers and eventually I, you know, slowly became more publicly involved, especially after the 2017 thing where I was like, oh man, I should really do like a podcast. So I got involved with another podcast at that point in about 2018. And then I really, or 2017, yeah. 2018 and then i um i created engaging the phenomenon as like an official project to twitter and youtube and now eventually i uh, have the podcast 
Um, so that's kind of like the engaging the phenomenon end of things. And uh, just recently I created meta perspective um, to, because, you know, I've been, I've been a pretty serious meditation practitioner now for 16 years. And um, I've always studied like uh, yoga and Buddhism and, and practice. And um, I, I didn't want to bring drag all that uh, Dharma baggage over to engaging the phenomenon because engaging the phenomenon is uh, much more closely associated with the UFO subject. And I don't want to like drag that onto people. I'll mention it. And if they're interested, you know, they can pursue it, but I'm not going to drag all that stuff onto, uh, you know, I'm not going to have engaged in the phenomenon and have like 10 Zen teachers talking about Zen and Buddhist meditation if they're not interested in that. So I created meta perspective as like an alternative um, podcast and channel to focus specifically on um, meditation and consciousness. So that's where I'm at with, with those. I think it makes sense as well, because obviously, like you said, um, even though there's a bleed over, especially in the UFO conversation with the consciousness aspect, um, this is a part of your life as well with the meditation and the learning of disciplines and the learning of the actual kind of philosophy and the history of these types of practices. It's, I think it's a good idea to create a space which is just solely dedicated to going into that because it, it would probably take over too much of the UFO conversation if you were involving all of it. But at the same time, that knowledge that you have lends credence to how you can observe the UFO phenomenon because, you know, literally what we're going to get into tonight is the, uh, is the whole idea of using consciousness to initiate some form of contact. And, you know, this is something that I've had a small level of experience in and success in, which is actually why I started Project Unity in the first place was because I had my own personal experiences. Uh, these experiences confirmed to me, uh, at least to some degree, that I was on the mark with my ideas around consciousness because it seemed to yield results that were uh, observable and uh, absolutely not generic in any way, were uh, 100% you know, phenomenon related in some way. Don't know what they are outside of the fact that we can't really explain what they are right now. Um, and um, anyone who's been listening to me will know that, that I've had these experiences with orange orbs of light, which were kind of like the catalyzing experiences for me. You've had all sorts of experiences. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a few different stories. You've, you've spoken about them before on record. Um, before we before we get into this recent story, uh, well, this recent experience of yours, which seems to be similar to what I've seen, is there anything that you want to say on your own contact experiences and, and how you came into that and how you feel it works? In, in what way is it able to be successful? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so in, in my experience, um, if, if I go back to the, to the 2007 experiences, because really I had different forms of contact before that. Um, but before that, when I was younger, it was, to me, it was literally frightening. Um, and I, I can't say exclusively that these entities were connected to the UFO phenomenon, although there was correlation with some sightings, but those sightings when I was younger were not uh, incredible in the sense of you know, there were lights in the sky and I didn't know. And, and I was too young at that time to be able to really determine what they are, what they weren't. I was just too young. Um, but in 2007, I had a series of experiences that um, 
that they just absolutely transform my life and my, my view on reality, uh, you know, very akin to what Dr. John Mack calls the, the passport to the cosmos. Because once you have these um, contact experiences, um, which recently I had on um, Dr. Bob Davis and he and his book, Unseen Forces, writes about them as peak experiences, um, which include contact with UFOs, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and so on. Um, but these, the, in 2007, um, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll go, it's a series of events that are connected. So one day I was at work and I was working an overnight shift and um, this, this one guy at my job uh, who was very kind of like, um, very cool guy, but very ordinary, uh, kind of reserved and I know he's kind of like an agnostic atheist kind of personality, very materialistic. Um, and one, one day he, in the morning, he said to me before I left, he said, did you hear about the, the UFOs in Mexico? And he didn't know I'm into any of this stuff. Um, and I was like, it, it was really weird to me that he would say anything because he's never before or after that said anything close to any, any kind of like weird or tabooed or su subject like that. So I thought that was weird. Uh, but then I just brushed it off and went home. Um, so I went home and again, it was an overnight shift. So I'm getting home at like eight 30 in the morning and I go to sleep. And in my dream, I have this insanely lucid dream. Uh, it's like so vivid and, and visceral. So like real, um, that uh, there's this, I'm driving in my dream through my old neighborhood where I, where I grew up in and it's nighttime and like just literally 20 to 25 uh, feet above my car in this dream is this orange plasma electric UFO. And it's literally vibrating and sending all these shocks through my body. And I'm just freaking out in the dream. Like I'm, I'm just reactionary. Um, so I'm just trying to get away from it. And, um, so I'm driving for probably two and a half minutes in this dream. And then I can't get away from this, this UFO object. And I just wake up out of my dream and I'm, you know, literally just like snap out of my dream. Like you snap out of a nightmare almost. And I'm gathering myself and I'm like, what the hell? And at this point, I still didn't connect with what that guy said. Not because I'm just literally just waking up out of a, you know, foggy almost. And now it's, it's about three 30 in the afternoon and a family member walks in my house and comes up to me and says, Hey, did you hear about the UFOs in Mexico? So at this point I'm like, <laughs> you know, screw this, like, you know, yeah. F this basically. Um, Cause this it's, you know, between what the guy said and, and then the dream and then this, it's, I was just like, you know, this is, this is absolutely nuts. Um, so then I go outside and I'm going to go drive to, to this Chinese place. It's down the street from where I used to live. And uh, I'm like, I'm just going to go get food and, and like center, whatever you want to call it. And I'm driving in about, and again, this is three 30 in the afternoon, broad daylight, clear blue sky. I'm driving and I just see an orange fireball in the sky. 
and it's 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 there's no there's no mistaking it for any other object it's just a fireball in the sky and it's like pretty large you know for relatively in the sky so it was either really big or low i think it was probably just lower but as, as soon as i saw this fireball i think you know that's an effing ufo and as soon as i thought that because it was stationary it started to move and uh, you know i'm like at this point, this is when like everything clicks. Like I just got hit with a you know ton of bricks. I'm like, okay, I'm like realizing all this is connected now, and um, I'm super excited. And I try to chase it, and it eventually just gets out of my sight. And there's it never had a trail, it never made a noise, and I've I've never seen anything like that since. It's like a fireball in broad daylight like that. Um, so that that was one experience that had happened, and. I was, you know, I was already into UFOs and at that point, and I was already meditating and stuff like that. Um, but this was still a powerful experience, um, you know, the sighting, of course, but even more so the whole chain of events that occurred yeah, to, that led yeah. to that sighting, which uh, Dr. Jalen Hynek has, has called high strangeness. So that event um, was was a, a powerful, you know, teaching kind of experience to me but um just maybe two or three months after that and this mind you all happened in the same like location literally um so i ended up um getting into this car accident actually very and as actually i didn't i didn't realize this until years later but i got to that car accident exactly where i like to the fucking excuse me my friend, uh, don't worry the, you're, you're good we I've got a dirty mouth. You can swear, bro. You're good. Okay. So like literally to the point of like maybe 20 feet away of where I saw that fireball in the sky, I got into a car accident and I had this, it, it wasn't a near death experience because I didn't actually die. Uh, but at the time I thought like I, you know, during the experience, I thought I was, I was dead. So I call it a trauma induced out of body experience. Um, but I go to this, well, oh, so before I even go to the scene where I'm above everything, um, I'm face to face with this light being, and um, and this is you know, so that just just for clarity. So you've had a car crash, and yes. then so uh, like has the car flipped? Are you upside? Like what what exactly yeah, happened the in the car? The, the car flipped, and I'm in a building basically. Jeez. Um, I mean, I didn't know that until afterwards, but this is the crazy thing because I actually saw the entire thing from above and I saw the fire trucks and I saw the whole scene. And at that, you know, I was in this other realm. Um, so the the car accident happens. And the, the first thing I remember is that I'm face to face with this light being um, or being made of energy. Uh, and it has, you know, like almost like anthropomorphic form, except it didn't have feet much. It was like, it went up like this. Um, and its head was like slightly elongated. And um, so I'm face to face with this being and I hear this insanely uh, pristine, crystalline, angelic orchestra. Hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, this this might turn people off but this is what the experience was and i said um god is all there ever was all there no all there is ever was and ever shall be and, and maybe i grew up in a christian household maybe that's like some reminiscent thing that 
I don't know, but that's that's what I heard. And I felt this um, incredible bliss and, and love and um, completeness and oneness. Um, and then it automatically shifted. It just shifted to where I was perceiving the present, the future and the past at once. And then they merged. Wow. And then. Yeah, it was it was really intense, but then that collapsed and um, my consciousness got turned back on like reset and I was above the scene of the, the of this accident and I'm looking down and it was so crazy because I was looking down from another point of view that um, was in the opposite of direction, but I was still looking at the scene. So that was really strange. But I'm looking down at the accident and I'm thinking to myself, I have the awareness and I'm like, so this is it, huh? Like I'm, I, I thought I was, I had passed away, but I was at just complete equanimity, like complete. There was no, um, there was no kind of like regret or remorse or sadness or anything. It was just complete equanimity. And um, then I just, sat there for maybe a moment at looking down and it was kind of moving. And then I just snapped into my body and I, you know, I woke up and I'm in the ambulance. Wow. Um, so that was a very, that was a super powerful experience. And again, because when I was having this experience, I was consciously aware of that, that just happened. And I thought I had literally passed away, but until I was back in my body and I woke up and I was like, I, I, I literally had the awareness of, oh, so I'm not actually, I didn't, I didn't die. Um, but so again, I, I wasn't really that badly injured at all. And, um, the, ne the very next day I'm already, you know, re I released from the hospital. I go to my house and I'm just, it's the next night and it's in the summer. I'm cleaning my room and I'm just like thankful to be alive. Yeah. You know, uh, at that, I'm just like, wow, you know, just still, I'm still in the after effects of that whole experience. Like even I physically felt different. Like it's it, like a, a complete shift happened in myself, you know, what, you know, again, what people could call like an awakening experience. Um, and I'm just in my room. It's, it's about 9 PM at night. And all of a sudden, I, I I can feel it in my entire body, and I just I hear and I feel this voice, and it says, "Come outside." But the the second that I I had heard and felt that I already knew I knew what was going on. I knew that it was UFO occupants and uh, or you know whatever you want to call them. That's and, that's interesting that you just suddenly felt like you knew that straight away. It, there was no question in my mind. Wow. There's no, there's not, there was not a single question of, is this really happening? It was just like, holy shit. And as soon as I felt and I heard it, I just, I literally ran outside. Like <laughs> I, I, I knew. And so I run outside and again, it's about 9 PM at night in a summer night. And, um, you know, when I walk out, there's, kind of like trees right above me that blocked the sky. So I wasn't even looking, I was trying to look up, but I could see that 
you know, I couldn't see the sky from there. So I had to run forward another maybe 15 feet or so. And while I'm moving, I'm, I'm, I feel this, in, this electricity through my body, uh, what people want to call like a, a Kundalini experience. I have this energy pulsing through my body, this uh, bliss and elation and, um, you know, ecstatic. And um, as I'm moving, I can hear a, a very low hum. It's a very low pitched hum. And it's like, vroom, vroom, vroom. Um, and I look up and I see this. Um, it's almost like a hexagon, but the, um, and it's got these, these four lights, like in a square. It's, it's actually one light almost. Uh, it's in a square and it's like square white light. And it's this metallic craft. I mean, it looked, it was a dark, like a dark, dark gray, but it was a craft. It wasn't kind of like um, energy or plasma. Or it was, it, it was a physical craft. And there were lights on the edges. What, what would you estimate colors. the? Uh, what would you estimate the size of it to be? Holy shit! Um, it was it was literally right over the trees. Um, if I had a guess, it maybe thirty feet wide, right? Um, at least, and um, and so it, it's hovering, and I'm going at I'm while I'm kind of going with it, and I'm going into my driveway. And I'm just like staring at like while I'm like walking and stuff. Hopefully, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't trip on anything, thank God. Um, and it's it was just moving really slow, and I'm like super ecstatic, but I'm freaking out. And I'm I'm literally thinking in my head, did I just did I just like mess myself up in the head? Yeah, and because I, this car accident, and am I am I just like hallucinating? Is this even real? Um, so it's moving and it literally just vanishes completely and then like instantaneously just reappears like a thousand feet um away and it's above this man-made lake right across the street from where i used to live and um and it's it's there and there's there's one to two others at a time there so as soon as it gets there i notice that there's two other ones there and the lights on these on these crafts now are spinning and they're all these different colors like blue green red white um and the lights are spinning and i'm i'm freaking out so because i i was like is this really happening i i just i ran inside to get my family members because i'm like you know i need um basically somebody to let me know that i'm not yeah. crazy at this point and uh so i go inside i get two family members and I'm like, you, you got to come outside. And they're like, why? I said, they're here. They're, and they said, who's here? I said, just come outside. Um, so they come outside and, and they see this whole event with me that takes place for like 25 minutes of these crafts. They're moving in the sky, disappearing, uh, and reappear or another one reappears. I don't know if it was the same or different ones. Couldn't tell you. Um, and th so this whole 25 minutes, there's two to three different craft in the sky at the same time moving around with the lights spinning and again this was in 2007 and i um one of my family members stayed out the, the entire time one, the other one i think didn't know what to make of it and after about like 10 or 15 minutes they went inside um but at the very end of this um event there were 
just two of them and they're moving towards each other and the lights are spinning. And at the moment, I think that they're going to, it looks like they're going to crash. They, they just make contact and they just both disappear. And that was it. And the whole kind of event ended. And, um, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, at, at that point from, because again, it's not just like, I had this one experience over here and this other one over here. They felt even internally accumulative to the point where like, I'm, I'm even like thinking about, you know, then obviously the night before where I had this, the day before where I had this near death experience thing and the being that I came face to face with. And, um, you know, again, in, in this, I don't know if it's another dimension or what, how, how to even explain that. Um, and then again, the event that happened two to three months ago with the whole dream time contact and the p- synchronicities with the people saying things, er- this, everything just all together kind of slammed into this exp- transformational experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was after that event occurred, it, it, it broke any kind of uh, resistance I had of anything. Yeah. And I was yeah. just like, this this is like the central focus of what what i'm basically doing with my life at the time you know um as far as like research and and so at that point i just got super you know i was i was already interested in these subjects and and researching them but at this point it was like a, a life mission so to speak um and uh so that was in 2007 and and it took me it took me maybe until somewhere 2008, somewhere 2009 to find the disclosure project. And uh, that was pivotal for me because I was like, holy crap. Like, again, I, I'm not new to research at this point. How did I not come across this before? You know, how did I not come across these like super high level witnesses, military and contractors that had firsthand experience with uh, the UFO phenomenon in their duty, uh, you know, and it's in the Washington DC at the national press club. And I had, how come this isn't like all over the news. Right. Uh, so I'm, I see this guy kind of running it or whatever, Dr. Stephen Greer. And I'm like, who the hell, you know, who is this guy? Right. He's just some random doctor. So I, I actually, I have to say, I had seen the Clifford Stone clip randomly on YouTube, but I had never seen the whole Disclosure Project. And I, I kind of saw it and I was like, oh, my God, I was amazed by it. And I never came across it again. But, the, you know, this time I saw the entire full kind of uh, Disclosure Project. And I was like, I was like, I got to research this. And I found um, Dr. Stephen Greer through that and his work. And that's when I came across CE5. Um, and I was amazed at the time, you know, you know, whether you, you, you know, love or hate the guy, uh, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer has done incredible work with, you know, disclosure and, and especially CE5 in contact. So when I saw him talking about CE5, um, and C SETI at that time, I was amazed because I'd never heard anybody talk about contact in that way. And he was talking about it in a way that. I had experienced like parallel. So it was exactly, he was describing contact exactly how I had experienced it. Number one, 
And um, number two, I got the sense, you know, from my own contact and, and from listening to him talk that, you know, he, you couldn't, you couldn't make up some of those details, right? You had to have firsthand knowledge to know those intricacies, uh, in my opinion. So for that reason, I, I took what he was saying very seriously about CE5. And again, for people listening, CE5, human initiated contact with UFO intelligence. Uh, CE5 uh, is not limited to, but there are CE5 protocols where you can initiate contact using consciousness. And um, again, Dr. Greer has his own CE5 protocols is on his way to do it, although CE5 itself is not limited to that. So I, I was kind of like dumbfounded too, because I was like, why didn't I think to just to, to do that, right? Like it, so I, I began, um, uh, you know, learning everything I can about the CE5 initiative and CE5 and uh, CSETI. And I, uh, I, I started setting up social networks for it on Facebook because I was on Facebook and I was like, there's no, there's nothing here. Why, why isn't there something here? So I created the first CE5 um, Facebook groups and started connecting and finding different CE5 field workers from around the country at first and then around the world. And, you know, talking with them, exchanging with them. I, I signed up for some CSETI events with Dr. Stephen Greer, uh, you know, just to, to, to kind of vet him in a sense, like is, you know, I, I, I believe he's, he's genuine, but I want to go out to these events and, um, you know, learn the CE5 protocols and, um, and, and see if, if his events are real, because he's making some pretty big claims about the contact that his, his teams were having. So um, I, at that point, I signed up for some of the events and I, I went to some events and I had some incredible experiences there. Um, so the first one was in 2010, it was a three-day event. And I had this, this really bizarre orb experience where, um, it was the first night and I was like, you know, Dr. Greer's going through his, his version of the CE5 protocol. So he, he does his whole Sanskrit ceremony, the puja uh, and the mantra technique, just because that's his way of getting to enlightened and awakened states. That's why the, they're set up. That's why his events are set up that way. It's just because that's his background. He was a TM transcendental meditation teacher for Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in the, you know, before he became a medical doctor. So that's what he excels in. So he was already a meditation instructor in those regards. And um, so we did those protocols in the, in his training. And the very first night I made a specific inquiry to the phenomenon. I said, you know, if this is legit and, and what he's doing is real, give me, I, I want like some kind of direct sign, so to speak. And so we're outside and this is a, this is a really a large event. There's like 200 people at this event, which is unusual for CE5 events. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm looking around because we did the protocols and, you know, at, at these events, you do the protocols and then you sky watch and kind of rinse and repeat. So we finished the meditation and I'm looking around and literally like maybe 10, 15 feet off the ground and, and 20 feet away from me, I see this red orb 
and this is the one it's where it's like imprinted on top of reality is the only way i can explain it it's like if you stared into a light and then you looked away and you see the color but it was like that but it was more real like it was more physical than that um and it was this ruby red orb and i'm i'm looking at it, i'm like holy shit and I'm looking around like to see other people's reactions and nobody's doing anything. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to say shit about this. I'm not even going to say anything to any of the people in the group. Cause they're going to say like, I'm just making it up or even though they're there for contact, I was not comfortable with sharing that. And, um, nobody gasped or said anything. So I assume nobody else saw it. And then literally like 30 seconds later, Oh, and the, the object just disappeared after a few seconds. And then, 30 seconds later, uh, Dr. Greer goes, there was just a ruby red orb over here. And he circles exactly where I was looking. Oh, wow. I was like, what the hell? Okay. So that's another high strangeness thing. Um, so I, I, in my sense, I get my validation through that, that, you know, what he was doing was legitimate. Cause that, I mean, that was, um, pretty incredible in its own right. Um, and, and, and then from there, you know, I went on and, kind of you know was a, a big you know played a big role in in ce5 on on social networking um and i can go you know I've, there's a whole number of experiences i had after that um you know i did another week training and there were a lot of incredible um events that occurred at that week-long ce5 what dr stephen greer used to call ambassador to the universe trainings and if, if people want to hear about that i did a, a short video on that on my youtube channel engaging the phenomenon uh called my c seti experience and it kind of explains uh that whole thing yeah because i mean he this is the thing i mean stephen greer played a pivotal role in my development into this conversation as well um because before then i, I hadn't given any of the uh, ufo research any thought and then my friend uh, showed me the documentary unacknowledged and like you although different in some ways the similarity between us is a string of synchronicities that kind of clicked into place and that that was one of them because uh well literally i think a week beforehand i've been sitting on my bed basically not in a very good mindset you know just talking out loud to the universe my own little way of praying just kind of talking out loud saying i need something in my life that is representative of what i feel i know and it's the, it was it was because i've been researching consciousness for about 2 years from that point just kind of different aspects of of uh, of that of that question and it it culminated in me sitting on this bed saying i feel like i've you know absorbed a lot of this information but none of it really applies to my life it's all just esoteric you know maybe one day when i pass on to the other life it'll all be confirmed to me but right now what can i do with this give me something to do and then literally like a week later my uh, my best friend watches unacknowledged with me like sits me down it's like you got to watch this documentary and then his stephen greer at the end suddenly, you know, first of all, it was this introduction to the UFO subject for all of these credible testimonies, like you were saying, all of these different people that he was speaking to, and the documentary was fantastic in that regard. And so I was just like, whoa, okay, there seems to be something very real about the UFO issue, which was awesome. But then, yeah, near the end, he gets into this whole idea of consciousness contact. 
And for me, it was like a light bulb had just been lit. It just made sense because of every, I, I thought immediately back to that time the week before where I was asking for something. I was like, this is literally, this man is literally saying, this is how you use these, this knowledge in the real world. This is how you can make some evidence appear for you in the real world. So I think that a lot of this comes down. It, it's hard because you don't want to say faith or belief because people like obviously roll their eyes at that. But there is some aspect of that. I mean, you had an intense experience, a near-death experience, a, a very strong, um, extremely strong experience that allowed you to open your mind to these types of ideas. And then someone like Stephen Greer just kind of informs that idea and it becomes crystallized as, as, a, as, a, as a knowing. And then you have your experiences and, and you, you know that this is real. So I guess in some ways there is a level of... Um, belief that needs to be in place for you to have these types of experiences at least that seems to be the way i view it is that if you're out there and you don't really believe that it's real and you don't really think that your mind is capable of this kind of thing i i don't think it works and uh so it, it seems to it seems to rely upon a certain level of 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 belief in yourself your own abilities your intention and your knowing um but you know stephen greer is an interesting guy man because like you, I have a, a great appreciation for him because he has done fantastic work throughout the years. And as things have progressed, he's become more controversial. Um, some of that I agree with in terms of like, you know, the high, the high price of his, uh, of his uh, expeditions, people take issue with that. Um, I get it to a certain extent because I understand that it's kind of like a filtration device to stop loads of people coming in, treating it like a fanfare, like a circus. Um, you know ruining that vibe I, I i can understand that level but then there's other issues I, I i can't remember if um if you've spoken about this but the the whole flare issue with the uh the beach in with the florida beach footage you know most people seem to be yeah. early convinced that that was a, a flare was do you know if that was i mean it was definitely a flare yeah um, you could see the way it drifts just lightly and the way that um, you know, the object lights up and then the, there's another one. They disappear in the sequence, which are consistent with military flares. I mean, and and, he, said, and military. he said for nobody to look through the night scope as well. Don't look through the night scope. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to believe that the guy set that up. And I know there was a, a somewhat close by search and rescue that very same night um, in that area, like in the Florida area. So I don't. I don't know if maybe those were flares from a search and rescue or if he literally, you know, paid somebody to do it. The, the Tom Rogan thing where he contacted that pilot and that pilot was kind of suspicious, you know, it makes me think um, I, it's not impossible, obviously, that he he could or would fake that, I suppose. Um, if he did, it's, it's a real damn shame. Um, but those were flares and yeah. Those, those were definitely flares and, you know, Stephen Gray, you can do an entire special on the, you know, the story that is Dr. Stephen Greer, because, you know, he, he's done so much, so much good and, and really um, what only in, inside or C-SETI insiders will know is a lot of bad in the way that he's treated people. Um, and, you know, I'm actually doing a project on this guy who wrote a book called Saints and Psychopaths. The, the name of the guy is um, William Hamilton. 
the late William Hamilton. He passed away in 1999, but he wrote a book called Saints and Psychopaths. And when you get into the spiritual territory or the con- even the consciousness, you know, metaphysical, religious, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, he, he categorized the book as saints and psychopaths. And, you know, they have they have similarities, actually. And, um, you know, it's kind of like that that saying, uh, you know, so somebody is like a genius, but they're crazy kind of thing. So I think you have that kind of polarizing effect with with um, Dr. Stephen Greer to where he he's done extraordinary things because, I mean, generally speaking, um, you know, normal people produce normal results. Um, and Dr. Greer is by no means normal. And so because he's abnormal, he's had abnormal results um, because you know, there's there's a thing when when you go out into the field with with uh, Dr. Greer. You know, he's one way when he's doing his lecture and he's talking and he'll say like funny and weird stuff and you're kind of like don't know what to make it, of it. And I even, you know, approached him to talk to him and he was very. I, I felt a complete lack of emotional intelligence, um, in a way. It was really weird. But as soon as he got into like the meditation field work thing, like he was in it. So there was some kind of weird thing about his personality. And I've, I've spoken to all the, the former or most of them, uh, the former board members of CSETI. And you hear different stories basically telling the same thing, which I, I don't want to go too far into on the record. Um, but there's some pretty frightening stuff there. Yeah, I, well, this is the thing. It, you know, I do, I do get frustrated when people just say, "Oh, you know, Stephen Greer is nothing but a snake oil salesman. He's nothing but a shill." Uh, I find that to be a very dismissive attitude. Obviously, there are issues that you can pick up on. There are things that are controversial, but for me, um, and I, I, I guess the same would could be said for you, is that we've both had experiences through these types of modalities. So there's no, there's no question that he's, he's talking about something very real and he's trying to show people something very real. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a shame that there has been some muddying of the waters in that respect. And obviously you can't hide who you are as a person. So if, if his personality is a little bit off, it's going to catch up with you at some point, especially if you're a very public person and, and people talk about you. Um, you know, we, and <clears throat> I have to admit for someone who's, you know, he's been in this game for so long, for so many years, putting up with a lot of uh, pushback from people. I, I, I've been in this field for really in terms of serious work around two years, and it's already stressing me out. <laughs> you know, it's already difficult to uh, deal with, you know, people commenting about you in ways that you're not used to hearing from just random people on the internet. And he's, he's, put up with a lot over the years i i think that will impact your uh your level of being able to deal with certain people and, and how you come across but um i i think that he's yeah i i i do support stephen greer but i don't necessarily support everything about him and i think that probably the same can be said for you right yeah and you know he's uh, he's not right about everything but um you know for sure but he was right about a lot of stuff the guy was just way ahead of his time as far as some of the like the unacknowledged special access programs is just one thing you know it, it took this many years um now where the first time that that 
and that I really observed that Lou Elizondo basically said verbatim what Dr. Greer has said on that the theory of everything interview was the first time he's talking about the rogue the rogue program out of channels the the way he worded it in in that theory of everything i mean i that that same phrase and terminology that he was using could have came from dr greer as far as i'm concerned um the whole consciousness and everything and here's a, and here's the weird thing you know you have the invisible college and all these people, they hate Dr. Greer. And I don't blame them. They have their own personal issues with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had private conversations with a lot of them. And I'll say certain things that, you know, Dr. Greer said without saying his name. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're, they're all in line with all his ideas, for the most part, with a lot of what he's saying. And then as soon as you bring up his name, they're like, oh, no, no, you know, like they just go into you see the the, the knee jerk reflex of, oh, no, not not Dr. Greer. Anything he says is but literally everything he's talking about with the consciousness, with the remote viewing, with contact, uh, with the way that the secrecy has been maintained. It, there's a lot of it that's on point. Um, and, and, and the thing is. The meetings that he said he had, he had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with and and. I, and if if you have a random just civilian that are meeting with the high high level like government director military, of CIA and people like that, yeah. you know, yeah. So you're gonna be, especially in that he was doing this when it was not safe. Mm-hmm. You know, matter of fact, I don't. I would. I I know I'm gonna kick myself for saying this because people are gonna interpret it the wrong way, but I'll, you know. Well, I don't, we wouldn't. I don't think we'd be seeing the rollout that we're seeing now with all the without the work that Stephen Greer did. No, TTSA, I you know, I, I, T, Dr. Stephen Greer somewhat groomed Tom DeLong for yeah. everything he did yeah. to the Stars Academy. Well, he was doing to like a Star- C five with the guy outside like Area Fifty One and places like that, right? He was going off and doing mm-hmm. expeditions with him, and he had Tom like DeLong all of his stayed uh, at Dr. Stephen Greer's house. Yeah, and yeah. Experience there, and well, I, I remember um, an early conversation that Tom was having an interview, but he he didn't name him, but it was obviously Stephen Greer, and he was like, oh, "I've been, you know, I've met this guy. He's doing all of this. He's so connected, and he's given me all of these witnesses. He's got all these witnesses on tape, and I've got about thirty tapes in my bag that I'm flying into the airport with, and it's all of these high level." witnesses and it's like yeah that's dr stephen greer <laughs> yeah and 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 ttsa was almost modeled in a sense um you know with you take some insiders and put them on the front of the project um so you know i think that he had a huge impact and he was ahead of his time in some regards mm-hmm. or in a lot of regards um and yeah i know we're talking about a lot about uh stephen greer right now it is it is an important subject i don't think it's something that's it's kind well, of unavoidable when you're talking about contact, isn't it? It's yeah. someone you have to bring in and, and at least set the level of how you feel about that person if you're going to talk about this, because otherwise too many people go, oh, CE5, that's just Stephen Greer's snake oil salesman things. It's, 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 it's good to address it. Yeah. And again, people need to look at it on the level of nuance, right? There's Nothing is black and white. And, you know, I think you're doing a disservice, um, not only to other people, but to yourself, if you're interpreting it in such a binary way, when clearly that's not how yeah. reality works. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you think, uh, do you think TTSA is, you know, dead in the water? Not necessarily. Um, 
I know Tom recently tweeted about the U.S. Army and the material still um, being looked at. Um, Hal, Hal Putoff had mentioned to me that something was going on with the materials and some university, uh, which he didn't name. So I don't know what, I don't know. And I don't think he was referring to what um, Dr. Nolan was doing either. It seemed like to be he was talking about something else. Um, they're going to do the media thing for sure. Uh, but I think the, the, the big movers now are, are like in the Lou Elizondo. I think he's the guy who is like, okay, I'm, I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking the ship and, uh, and he's, whatever he's doing is working. I mean, as, as far as, again, if you're taking it at face value, there's progress being made. Yeah, there is progress being made. I mean, I have to admit, I thought his uh, recent interview in the GQ, in the UK version of GQ magazine was pretty interesting, man. Like he he, he said some stuff in there. I mean, you know, talking and obviously some people were like, well, it's, you know, it's all right to talk about it. But when are we going to see it? And it's like, well, maybe in time, maybe in time we are going to see it. First of all, they have to start talking about it. And one of the things that he was mentioning, I think it was what, like a 25 minute long uh, piece of film footage that's in government, uh, you know, in government hands that isn't public yet uh, and then one where it was about 50 feet away from the cockpit or something and he's saying you know this is undeniable you can't you you, you literally cannot deny it when you see it uh, do you think do you think that's going to come out do you think those kind, do you think he's mentioning that kind of stuff because he knows that that's part of the of the uh, eventual rollout to have something like that come out i think he's mentioning it specifically so people inquire and and, and retrieve that footage yeah. and make it public yeah. I think he's when he's speaking like that, he's speaking to, you know, the people that, you know, Secretary of Defense and all those people. So when they say, what is this such and such? And he's probably speaking about it because he knows that that footage is eligible for declassification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't do things on a whim. He's very calculated and people can take that in a bad way. But I, I see him as doing he's done, in my opinion, good things for the, the movement. I don't think he has a hidden agenda. Um, again, I don't know that, but no, I, I don't think so either, dude. I, but I do think he's on a leash. You know, I do think that, he, and it, to be fair, he doesn't even deny that. You know, he's restricted yeah. by NDAs. He's restricted by this, that, and the other. He has to toe a very fine line. I mean, he's admitted all of this. I, I, I understand from you know a certain perspective. Obviously, he's like you know CoIntel Pro. He's uh, you know someone that a lot of people in the community would get paranoid over. So it's a government suit that's coming out to kind of keep the narrative uh, in a certain way. And in some ways, that's true. But I don't necessarily believe that that's a negative, disinformative agenda. More so than it is just the the way in which this is going to be handled has to be handled very specifically coming from government. You know, the main core of this subject that we're, we're having a discussion on right now is that you don't need to rely on the government. You can just kind of get into a meditative state and have these experiences yourself and see where that takes you. So I, I, I really do believe in grassroots efforts to, uh, you know, discover this stuff for yourself. And, and then we've got the Galileo project and other projects, which they're now on. But, um, in terms of the government, are you really expecting them to just kind of throw it all over straight away? You know, don't don't worry about NDAs. No, of course not. They're going to bring people out who are going to be able to strategize and, uh, you know, execute a mission. And that is pretty much what Lou Elizondo, in my opinion, has been doing. He's been executing a mission 
and he's doing it in a very specific way and and he's having to adhere to the guidelines and the you know non-disclosure agreement restrictions that he's beholden to and uh, i think that people maybe too quickly jump onto the paranoid section of oh you know he's been sent to control this it's like well without these guys we wouldn't be having a discussion like this we wouldn't be having a discussion like this it all came from 2017 the new york times obviously the background chatter that was happening before that with tom DeLong, but really 2017 new york times and all of the changes that have come from that and it's people like lou elizondo it's people like christopher mellon they're the ones that have been kicking down the doors and, and making these changes and you know, I, I, I do agree with people like Richard Dolan when he talks about the red line of disclosure and the whole crash retrieval issue and, you know, how long is it going to take to get to that level of a discussion? Would it ever happen? Um, I'm some, somewhat doubtful that they'd want to ever uh, disclose that kind of information. But um, we, we are making progress. I mean, where would you where do you think we're going to be in maybe five years time with this kind of discussion right now? Yeah, well, let me say it like this, and I, a lot of these people say, you know, invisible college people, um, and even Dr. Davis say they know stuff, right? And, um, you know, a lot of them are not going to talk about it. Even Lou, I mean, look what Lou Elizondo has already said. He's already said things where people's minds should be blown and there should be a full opening of everything. You know, he's talking about, you know, crafts and biological stuff and samples and like, he, so if, if Lou Elizondo is, he's not going to go out and say, um, yeah, you know, uh, Lockheed actually has this, this yeah. um, full craft. And because even if he did, and he, he has actual, um, you know, he was told that in a skiff, um, you know, he's going to say it and then nothing's going to happen. And now he's screwed. Um, that's one thing. And I know these, these people, they don't like to say things that they can't prove. So even if they have knowledge of something, say they were read into a program, um, if they can't produce the material that's going to prove it to you, they only risk themselves, um, you know, to no effect, basically, because they're just going to say it and they're going to say, oh, yeah, that kooky, uh, you know, remote viewing scientist said uh, they have a full craft at this precise location and it's just going to a story it's going to disappear in a week and now this guy's in trouble and not only that uh if they had any kind of access or insider knowledge they're going to be cut off you know and maybe they're still trying to work their way through the labyrinth and gain more access and information so they can do something with it and help move the conversation forward as far as where things are going I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned just like anybody else of there being like a halt, mm. just like a, a stop. But I mean, that's always a caution I have, but I've since 2017, I've only seen it go and go and go and go and build momentum and build momentum and build momentum. And, um, you know, even just recently with these developments of the addition to the, the amendment to the bill asking for specific, um, requirements uh that's like very specific uh and and obviously informed um i forget the name of the the department they wanted to create for the the permanent uap task force with the new kind of um guidelines but they are very specific and obviously informed uh so you know somebody's working with them to to put the right the correct language there and ask the right questions and and, and move things forward. And 
that that um that has not been slowed down so i think that this you know since 2017 we've seen a, a kind of revelation of of like the the wizard of oz where you know these people had you know these people i'm saying the people the gatekeepers who have been hiding all this information even in you know unidentified or uh, unacknowledged programs had a presumed power and it was uh working i guess to keep people in check but when when somebody really chinked that armor and made a dent in it um i think the illusion of their power started to dissipate and um i, I don't think that that mechanism for secrecy is as powerful as everybody feared it was so um with the continued progress i only see things continuing to go forward um and again i've, I've had reservations of like okay this is gonna stop somewhere um you know tom DeLong a few years ago was talking about the seven-year plan and uh you know that in seven years it, we're gonna have like like a legitimate disclosure mm. um like uh not kind of like partial what we're seeing now like bits and pieces but an actual kind of disclosure event um and i was like you know i hate first of all i don't like predictions and timelines and all this stuff but the you know it's it really seems like we're going somewhere now the the the, the kind of like question after that is like even with, if we're presented with like a legitimate disclosure i mean you know how could we take it at face value with the the 80 years of secrecy and cover up and and lies and denials. yeah well, like what is a what does a legitimate disclosure even mean would we even know what a legitimate right. disclosure was you know yeah couldn't um you know you need more insiders to come forward and then i mean how could you trust them it's it's i mean we're we're going into we're already in uncharted territories yeah yeah um so we just have to literally go with it and stay grounded. You know, I know people tend to veer either in like an, you know, where don't believe anything or some people that just believe everything. I mean, you got to read between the lines and, you know, this is something we're going to be dealing with for the coming years and you got to stay grounded. Yeah. You know, Some, and, something that John Ramirez uh, finished his presentation off with me, and I, I think I'm getting this right, was embrace widely hold lightly and i like that he's basically saying that he he looks at a lot of things but he doesn't hold on to them all very tightly you know they could always turn out to not be uh that way so embrace widely but hold lightly i think is a good uh, a good motto for the ufo community yeah definitely i appreciate that and i think yeah he's a very interesting guy um for sure that interview was uh incredible dude i was sitting back just just like wow, you know, because I, I I briefly skimmed through the slides um, when he sent me sent sent me them, but I hadn't really obviously him doing his presentation. It was it was just brilliant. It was just great to sit back and listen to this guy go. Not only was he really good at presenting, um, you know, it wasn't awkward or anything. He was very confidently flowing through it. And the one thing that impressed me more than anything was he didn't take a sip of water or clear his throat the entire time. He went for like two and a half hours, just, you know, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Absolutely amazing. And uh, a really nice guy. You know, I've, I've talked to him a lot in the background. He's, he's actually on my Discord, uh, on my Patreon Discord. 
and uh he's just a really nice guy but that presentation yeah that that impressed me as well i'm really glad that it's actually got a high view rate um it's a, i think it's just over 26,000 views now so that's uh oh, wow, nice. yeah yeah it's what it's been it's one of the the kind of peaked interviews that i've got i think i've like got three of those where it's suddenly hit a very high mark and i'm glad that his was one of them because i think that people will find a lot of useful information especially when it comes to refining the uh the foyer process but the speculations at the end were interesting and uh you know just based off some other conversations i've had he seems pretty confident that there is this aspect of the phenomenon uh which is you know I, we're, we're already in controversial territory anyway so we might as well add some more onto it which is this whole idea of there being a reptilian uh intelligence existing and and he seems very confident in that and he's making a new presentation uh, he's working on a new presentation that is more focused on that aspect of it so uh, that's going to be interesting to see and he's he's hoping that he can get some of it redacted because it will be proof that there is something worth knowing there um that's kind of his mission is to get some of it redacted by the cia so yeah we'll see where that goes but um hell of an interesting presentation yeah and um he he really presents things in a in a very uh i'd say responsible way i yeah. know you know some of what he's saying is speculation but he states it's speculation um he's he's not he's not alone in the intelligence community with some of those speculations no, either no and uh, you know i've gotten a strong impression from people in the intelligence community about the the genetic connection thing yeah the genetics so. yeah well i mean even i think again in the theory of everything which by the way for anyone listening if you haven't watched the theory of everything interview with lou elizondo you need to watch that because it was a really good interview i think it's, it's the longest one he's ever done and uh, even though as it is the way with lou you have to read between the lines sometimes and look at the breadcrumbs that are being dropped there were some interesting comments made by him. I mean, obviously, one of the focuses was that he was talking about how uh, a very uh, prominent signature of, a inter of an extraterrestrial intelligence on this planet could be human DNA. Uh, and, you know, you have yeah. to ask why, why were we suddenly separated from the, you know, the chimpanzees and the bonobos and, the, and everything else? Why are we suddenly having conversations through an electronic neural sphere of information exchange that we call the internet? You know, we've, we've come to this completely unprecedented level of uh, of development on this planet through the human species and I, I you know i have my own ideas i do like to entertain the stoned ape theory i think that that might have played a role in some of the uh on some of the development of early humans when they were foraging and they came across things like psilocybin mushrooms as they were you know uh, hunting on the plains and following the bovine trails and i think that there is a likelihood that that was a stimulant towards uh you know linguistic development and development of complex neurology but I, I don't out, I don't rule out the possibility of there being uh, an intelligence that intervened and uh, and jacked up our DNA. Yeah, I mean, we're, there's clearly a missing link, uh, you, know, you know, pun intended with the with the Greg Braden series. Um, but the uh, you know, there's clearly a missing link in our development. And, you know, people take for granted and assume um, you know, what they were taught when they were kids, even adults, you know, that are in their 80s or, you know, whatever. Obviously, um, I, I don't know why people aren't more interested in that to, yeah. to begin with. Like, we don't why, even know where we, we like from, this. Really. <laughs> yeah, like we, we people, I, I, people kind of glaze over and assume 
what they were taught when they were kids is exactly how it happened. And we know scientifically that that's a, a theory. Yeah. Um, and so we have this huge missing link and we also have, um, you know, a parent or alleged contact with non-human intelligence as far back as our history goes. Yeah. You know, so you have both those really important <laughs> themes. And, uh, I mean, I think there's, there's something there to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Do you, uh, we're, we're going to jump back into experiences in a second, but, um, do you think that we have, and I say we mainly as like Western governments and probably more specifically the U S although I have my suspicions about my own government, um, and private sector, uh, you know, defense contractors, et cetera. But do you think that we've got operational platforms that are like UFOs? Uh, my own suspicion is that, yes, I, I suspect that we have, and I know, I know people have said, no, we, we haven't come close to it. Um, but we don't have to ha come close to genuine real UFO tech to be able to uh, reproduce mildly some of the effects that we've observed you know there was there were speculations that the b2 had a very mild uh, anti-gravity effect yeah you know, so ionized the air around the uh the leading yeah edge. yeah so just you know coupling together multiple technologies like that i think we're we're a lot further ahead than than most people think i think that we you know we do have our own kind of ufos even if they're not you know, strictly working on the, the, you know, the UFO principles that we see with genuine phenomenon, um, UFO intelligence. I think even just the mild stuff is, would be mind blowing, you know, not even the stuff where they're just say like a genuine UFO can turn into energy and fly right through a mountain. I, I we probably don't have that. I don't think. Yeah. Or um, maybe like electrogravitics of some sort, the ability to cancel yeah. out mass or, or something like that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and turn invisible, you know, mask, right, yeah. stuff, stuff like that. Like maybe the five observables to some extent. Right. Um, but not, yeah, not on the level of, of like, you know, real deal others technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. I'm excited for this because you're about to talk about a recent experience you had. And is this the first experience you've had with orange orbs like this before, or have you had other ones? Um, so the, I mean, I guess the fireball you can consider an you know, orange like, orb. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, this was definitely a different quality and, you know, overall, I mean, talking about some of the other experiences, some of those were more incredible in a sense where, those were very profound. This, this one was incredible just because it was very direct. It was, um, quick in a sense. Um, and it was very unique and it was to me clearly not human technology. Um, so, uh, that, that's why I thought this one was really cool And this, this orange orb, um, I'm trying to explain, I can't even think of the words to describe the, the way, you know, this one was like pulsing energy. Um, but the, the, the way it looked, it was like, almost like the energy was fizzling, like so, fizzling plasma. So what, 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 what was the setting here? Were you outside? You were trying to do a contact? Like wh how, how did this happen? Okay. Yeah. So I, li I literally, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I planned it out. Like I'm going to do a CE5. Um, 
and I just, um, cause I, I do regular meditation practice anyways. Um, so usually when I'm going to do a CE five, I do my standard regular meditation practice and I, I just throw in the intention basically. And, um, and I, I, um, I did a video called, um, meta contact M E T T A. So I I'll throw in, uh, different modalities that I, I use personally for contact. Um, which one, one powerful one for me is, um, if, if you've had a contact experience and you can usually pick up on a feeling or impression that you get, you know, and if I, I want to be metaphysical about it, I can say in your, in your energetic body, you get a certain vibe, right. Uh, or I can just say more modestly a feeling. So, uh, one technique I've used for years, um, is to reproduce that feeling internally and, and kind of like radiate it. Um, so that's, I did my regular meditation and then I went to like a contact sequence and I did that. And so my the whole thing, I was 45 minutes because I just timed my meditation session out that way. And um, I went outside and literally within three minutes, this orange, plasma orb came pulsing over and I don't want, I don't know how low it was. Like, you know, again, it's hard to tell the distance of an object if you don't know its size and, and vice versa, but it was clearly low, lower than anything else in the sky by far. Uh, maybe it was a thousand feet up, maybe 2000. I don't know, but it was, it was pretty, it was very big for, for an object in the sky. And it was, um, again, the energy, it was like this fizzling energy. Again, there's nothing that, that I can explain that I can see in the night sky that looks anything like that. It looked alive in a sense. Um, and it, it went over and it was just slowly going over. And again, it was moving so slow. And I was just, um, again, I felt the level of connectedness. And then all of a sudden it just phased out and disappeared completely you know, um, it's kind of slowly, not too fast. It didn't just vanish, but it just dim, 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 yeah, dim, yeah. completely disappeared. Um, but again, it, it was not a drone. Um, didn't act like one. And again, it just literally vanished. Somebody wanted to crash their drone out. I don't know, but it, there's not, I've not seen a drone that looks anything like that. And again, uh, you'll, you'll notice with some of these contact experiences, the, and this is something that, um, Dr. Greer explains um, is the the quality of the light is almost mm. like un, unearthly. Mm. Um, I can't point to another conventional human technology that demonstrates that same quality of light. There's something very different about it. Um, yeah, you know, it's why what I really wonder is why they're all so different because. The quality, the quality of light 
with mine was unearthly, but in a different way because mine was the ones that I saw didn't glow yeah. and they didn't have like a, yeah. a, a, a static charge. They were like ghosts, it, but you know, vivid enough for me to be like, that's yeah. really there. And when they were flying across in like a formation in the sky, you could see them like separate orbs. But when they came down and like hovered above the roof of literally above this roof, um, they were like, almost 2d they were like 2d discs yeah, yeah, yeah. of slightly translucent slightly kind of opaque pastel like a light orange color and and i didn't think about this at the time but when people asked me i think back to it and i'm pretty sure my memory is correct there was no light spilling onto the roof there was no light spilling onto the roof whatsoever it was a self-contained light of some form and obviously your one's different glowing but the same thing is this does not look or feel or seem like a light that I've recognized through modern human technology, just through like electricity or, you know, light bulbs or anything like that. Why do, like, why do you think they're all so different? Okay. So this, I don't know if, so I, I think that we are dealing with several different intelligences must be and and i i've gotten i've literally had different contact experiences where the feeling was completely different other than just the the the, the obvious physical manifestation was different but literally the like the vibe you get completely different in some cases and um you know i the human part of me is going to say there's a functional reason for it um, just kind of like the mundane reason is there's, yeah, there's probably some kind of, um, functional practical reason why the, the phenomena appears the way it does. And we just can't, we, you know, we can't use our human logic yeah, in the same yeah. way that the phenomenon is operating within its own intelligence to explain the reasoning. Cause we don't even have the concept and framework for, for the phenomenon as an intelligence and why it operates the way it does or, and forget about how. Um, but I'll say one of my favorite um, theories on that is, is Grant Cameron's theory of wow. Like, you know, just as like a fun kind of theory as like, Oh, you know, you know uh, just the wow effect. Cause the, the, the phenomenon is doing things where we're like, wow, you know, not number one, it's getting our attention. And number two, it's almost expanding our, our perception and, and consciousness by doing things and, and operating in a way where it just blows our mind. And we basically have to break down our structure and rebuild it anew. And that, that fits for what, what the phenomenon is demonstrating. So, I mean, there's probably some kind of functional reason why that is. And th there was another experience that I had, um, and this one was in 2010 or 2011. Um, it was it was 2011. It was 2011 because it was after the first CSETI event I went to, but it was before the second week-long one. And um, this was another one that I had. My entire family was there. So um, there was one, two, three. Um, I mean, people know I have kids, but my kids weren't there. This is, this is before they were born. Uh, well, before one of them was born. Um, two of them were born. Um, 
Well, yeah, I got one, two, three. <laughs> People know I have kids. I'm a family guy. I'm pretty. I'm just a regular dude with a family and a job, and I do this Cas- stuff. Casually contact uh, contact non-human intelligences <laughs> when you've got the time off. Yeah, man. Just yeah. Standard, standard you know? normal living. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be right. It I mean, should be. Is, yeah, yeah. For I, mean, sure. I think in the future, right? <laughs> um, but there were many family members there that had three family members there that were all adults and um you know for two of them were there for the 2007 event so they had seen this kind of stuff before with me um but the, uh, the other one wasn't there and um it was their first not only sighting but it was their first ce5 and the that that event was absolutely incredible and again this is four years after the 2007 events and this still blew my mind because i can there's no way i can explain this experience without people assuming that i'm exaggerating in some way and i'm completely not but there were hundreds of different crafts or orbs throughout this entire experience hundreds and many of them were very different like there was literally uh what i would call like you could see the outline of the craft but there was like a a purple orb or ball of energy in the center of it and you can see the outline of the rest of the craft and it was literally just purple and then like if you know shortly away from it like over here there was one like that that was just green and away from that there's one that's literally just red and that there's so there's all there's a bunch of those and then there's the 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 ones that are just orbs they look just like balls of energy in the sky Uh, and again these things are they're not just there they're moving and they're interacting all on their own accord you know um and there's what people call streakers so like it kind of looks like a meteor except it's making like s like this i swear to god um and and other ones that are shooting over in in different directions uh and so there's all this stuff going on and then there's the orbs that are on the ground and um and this whole thing on the ground yeah it's like yeah like literally i i could have ran up and touched these objects um they these the ones on the ground were like not quite the size of a basketball but approaching that size like uh, bigger than a softball smaller than a basketball and uh they were yellow orbs and they were kind of similar to the the red orb i described earlier but they were phasing in and out of reality and um again they were in so they were they're almost in a pyramid structure so there's one here at the top there's two and then three and then four um that the best i can recount it i can't say that's exactly precise but that's like the kind of general uh observation and they were phasing in and out and but they they were not um they didn't they never appeared like physical 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 like the, the stuff in the sky but clear i mean clear as day to me there and I, I again i felt this you know i 
it was even before I saw those, but when I saw those, I can't tell if it's my, my body's reaction to it or it's the objects creating the effect is that like, I just had static electricity all over my body. It, it, every inch of my body was like electrified. Um, and uh, so there's all this stuff going on all literally at the same time. Um, but th those orbs that were there that were like literally less than they were, they were, they must've been like seven feet away from me. Wow. Um, but those, they were only there for maybe a minute and a half, two minutes, but the, the rest of the stuff was going on again for almost a half an hour. So I have, to, I, be, I have I, to ask because there, there will be people already commenting, saying it, why didn't you film it? Oh my God. There was no way I was, well, again, and I did leave and I, I kicked myself for leaving, but I, this, I was just like, literally, I, I had thought about it. Like it crossed my mind for like a split second. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not leaving this, this situation right now. Yeah. This is kind of like what it was all about. And this mind you, this was a CE five. This, so the ones in 2007 just happened to me, right? This was an initiated contact that, and again, I didn't talk about this publicly for years uh, because I don't want people to think they're going to do a CE5 and this is going to happen. Yeah, this was yeah. clearly unusual. Oh yeah. And even and even after the 2007 experiences, I did not expect this to happen. I wasn't expecting anything like this to happen. And the person with me, it was their first. Um, yeah, I was going to say, what what was their experience like? How did they, what was their reaction to this? So the, the so the funny thing about that is um, when we finished, we did a 20 minute meditation. And I told them before, listen, just. You know, and I'm kind of expecting in my head, like, this is their first E5. It might not probably, work. You know, it might not, not, might not be what you expect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So I, I was like that. And, <laughs> and I, so I was not expecting much, but we finished the meditation and this person was crying and they said the, um, they got in their meditation. First of all, they said they, they, obviously weren't but they felt like they were levitating they felt like they were floating i didn't look over to see if they were or not I don't think, <laughs> maybe yeah so, maybe they were i don't think there was any levitation <laughs> but they said they had the sensation that they were energized and and yeah kind of that kind of thing um and they got the, the message um you know look for the lights and they were again they were crying that very powerful internal meditative connection experience and even even i you know i've been doing the contact at that point for a while and had a lot of contact experience myself and i was kind of like maybe they're just <laughs> i hate to say this and i hope they don't watch this. <laughs> but i was i was kind of like uh, yeah the colors and i'm like maybe they just got that as a i didn't think anything of it honestly i was just like maybe they just heard that in their head and they can't determine between contact and a voice in their head i was literally you know, I shouldn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. And um, so, but the, so, but I, I took it, I didn't say, oh no, that's BS. I just, I took it and I said, okay, I don't know what to do with that. Right. Uh, but, you know, I've learned years since that a lot of times you'll get impressions and it's good not to try to um, decode them. You just have to let them unveil themselves and it makes, it will make sense afterwards, but you, you're not always going to understand it initially. Uh, similar to remote viewing, you'll see uh, something and um, you don't know what it absolutely represents. Like you might get 
part several impressions correct but not the whole thing and then afterwards it's like holy shit um so yeah again that this person had this very powerful experience and I, you know i don't know what to think of it but as soon as we went outside that's you know it was that you know it was the action was there there was it started just with these two um two satellite looking objects but they went one flash and the other flashed back at it um when i shined a laser and again i i don't recommend anybody ever use lasers don't use lasers but this is just part of what happened i shined the laser in the middle of it um and then they flashed and i'm like oh shit this is this is going on and then everything took off from there um so, so what, I, what what was uh just how, how did that person respond to not just the meditation but to actually then having this confirmatory experience for the first time ever i could imagine they were every, pretty overwhelmed everybody there was amazed again the two other family members had already experienced yeah things with me and they were amazed and i and i, I really kick myself I'm, I'm really upset with myself and i i the whole reason that the event ended is because I'm like, I have to go get my friend um, because my friend, Dave, um, he's my main CE five dude. Like this right, guy has right. been out with me hundreds of times, literally to do CE fives. Um, at that point that I was only a few years in, but so we had planned that he, I was going to go pick him up. And that's, so when I was, I was doing the CE five, really with this other person and the, the two other people were just there. I was doing the CE five with this other person and it was just like a warm up. We, you know, and we, the plan was, I was going to go get my friend when he got out of work, Dave, I was going to go pick up Dave and, um, and bring him back. And then we were going to do the real work, which was like a more intensive meditation and CE five protocols and stuff. Um, and again, this was going on for half an hour. And I'm like, I have to go, I have to go get Dave because it's like 930 now. He's supposed to get out at 10, but so he gets out sometimes 15 minutes early. So I'm like, okay, if I leave now, I can get him. By the time I get there, it's going to be like 945. We'll come right back. I don't know what I was thinking. I honestly, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking um, because I should have never left and you know, I should have never left. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a good thing I did. I don't know. Yeah. But um, as soon as I and left, everybody else stayed there. Um, and as soon as I left, they said the activity um, just died out. And one of the people was like, was like, uh, they they tried to follow you. So they said when I left that they they went in my direction, and then the whole Whoa. thing ended. And I don't again I. I wasn't, I was just too into, I don't, you know, I, mean, I was in the middle of this kind of event that even for me, um, with all the experiences I had was unbelievably incredible. And I'm clearly not thinking, right. Because I should have never left. Um, but yeah, they were but... All, everybody there. Go on. I was going to say everybody there was just, um, amazed. I think, um, you know, it's safe to say that everybody who was there, you know, it was a life transforming event. Yeah. And because of that, they, all those, those people who are family members of mine are very supportive of what I do because they, they know, 
they know it's it's real they know it's true yeah and uh so i I, i'm super fortunate you know that i have that kind of support because they know that this is not just like oh you know he's got a cool hobby or whatever they know that this is this is a real thing and it's it's huge right contact with non-human intelligence or you know whatever you want to call it or, or tribute to the ufo phenomenon um is incredible so I'm, I'm lucky enough that they had experienced that not just like oh you know james or jimmy has got a hobby and that's nice and cool and yeah we'll support him but like they know um what i'm doing is actually you know has legitimacy to it and it's based in reality yeah you are you are genuinely fortunate in that regard um so many people have had these experiences and they can't even talk to their spouse about it, you know, and they're just like, they can't even talk to their family members about it. I've been, I've been fortunate just because, you know, my, my family members haven't seen uh, any UFOs and they haven't been on any sort of CE fives with me. Um, But they know that I'm being honest about my experiences. And I think that as project unity has progressed and i've got you know good contacts and i'm speaking to you know different people uh that they find impressive it's helped bolster my credibility and my family are really into it now and, and my mum and uh, and stepdad they really want to try and do ce5 they live in such a perfect place for it because my mum lives in north wales in a very rural area of north wales where literally their back garden, when you look forward, it's just mountains and valleys. Like it's just, there's nothing else. Yeah. A couple of farmhouses peppered around, but it's pretty much just out in the mountains and valleys and the skies around there, man. Like, I mean, I live on the outskirts of a city. It's actually not bad out there. It's pretty clear. But then I go to my mom's and I'm just like, oh my God, because it's just thousands and thousands of stars like so much more than you can normally see so they're really into it and they really want to give it a go um so maybe over christmas time if it's not freezing cold outside we might do like a meditation inside and then and then go out and and star watch because i really want them to have that experience and, and they really want to have it as well so i do think that it will happen if we actually sit down and and you know go right we're going to sit down we're going to do this meditation we're going to get into that state we're going to go out and do it um i reckon it will happen but uh yeah you are very lucky to have multiple family members literally seeing such a visual exhibition of of something completely anomalous i mean you can't put that down to venus or you know uh, an iridium flare or you know when you've got so many things happening you've got orbs on the ground you've got all of these things and and the thing is you know a lot of people they will be doubtful it's it's just part and parcel of us talking about these kind of things they'll say oh you know i don't think that he's telling the truth i know you're an honest person i've spoken to you and i've i've got a lot of trust in you and i know that you're being truthful about these experiences so uh, I, you know, I, I really am amazed at, at just the level of, of contact you've had. And it, it makes me think because, and this is coming into a question I want to ask you in a second. I really feel like it's a progression. Like the more you stick with it, the more it reveals, you know, that at least seemed to be the case for me is that there was, you know, it started off with what seemed like an irregular volume of satellite style objects, but so many of, and I'm someone who watches the stars anyway, and I've seen satellites traversing my sky 
in the back garden over here, suddenly seeing such a high volume of them, then suddenly they were some of them were flashing and, and glowing and you'd get the flash bulbs in the night sky. And then I had the orb experiences. And uh, and I feel like if I hadn't have walked, I'm not walked away from it, but if I hadn't have kind of stepped back from it uh, and done other things, I probably would have had some more experiences, like more, even more vivid, even more extravagant. And uh, I, I'm actually getting back into that position where I want to do it again. But I have had seeds of doubt sown by people that have come out of the woodwork. Some, well, you know, I won't say any names, but one person in particular who has uh, an intelligence background, um, you know, just kind of broke down this whole thing of well you, you know your definition of love isn't necessarily their def definition of love you can't really apply human ideas of positivity and oneness onto something that's unknown blah 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 and it's like you know maybe, maybe they're right but i get a lot of comments and a lot of emails from people who are saying look i i i believe this is real but i'm really i'm really scared of going out and doing uh something like this and um what what would you what would you say to people like that who are who are really they know it's true and they want to do it but there's just a lot of anxiety about going out and and doing that kind of thing what would you what would your advice be to someone like that yeah so i mean yeah there's there's kind of a lot to unpack there but right it's um i mean i think if somebody is going to do it they're they're called to it they're going to just do it they're not going to look for permission they're not going to have reservations they're just going to do it and for people that have reservations um you know stick stick to what you feel yeah you know, nobody nobody can tell you what's right um and that can branch off into a bunch of different discussions even meditation um there's there's what people call the dark night of the soul or the dukanyanas in um, theravadan buddhism where um, you know, just some typical meditation can get people into some pretty scary territory. Yeah. Um, for some people, it can be um, decoupling. It could, like, I've seen people have um, contact experiences or or meditation experiences, peak experiences, and they never seem to fully recover in the sense where they're. I've seen people have some experiences and they're just they never get their grounding back. They're just so prone to every alternative narrative at that point. Um, and everybody's at their own, you know, unique level of development. Um, so I would say stick to your, stick to your gut. You know, if you're just like, screw it one day, I'm going to do it, then, then just do it. But if you, if you have your reservations and you're don't want to do it, there's, there's other people like me that are more than ready that, be baptized by the fire and do it yeah. anyways because i mean because in my case i didn't i don't want to say i didn't have a choice um in in one sense i didn't because i just had things happen to me um but then again you can get into the deep philosophical metaphysical aspect of did i agree to this somehow on some kind of metaphysical level that this was going to be part of what i'm going to do yeah. here yeah and I don't think that that conversation is all just like nonsense and new agey, whatever. Um, I don't, and I, I think that's kind of where synchronicity is tying and stuff. And it gets really, you get into really complex, complex and, and kind of philosophical conversations at that point. Um, 
but for people that that don't want to do it then don't you know don't do it you don't you don't need to do it you can you know but if i mean there's all if you really want to know for sure if it works there's there's only one way to find out <laughs> so again that's a that's a personal choice yeah yeah it's it's something i it's something i've felt a uh an urge to get back into um it's yeah it's been it's been weird for me because i i definitely feel like at one point i had super pure intentions with it um because just on a very personal subjective level it was like a spiritual journey clicking into place like the kind of things that i've been experiencing synchronicity wise and that and then how it all led up to me having these very uh you know vivid experiences with orange orbs it was all so self-affirming like it really was like wow i mean holy shit this is real this actually works i can't believe this is actually happening life is so much more magical than we think it is um you know this is this is profound and then over time being in the ufo community hearing scary stories or being just told different things by people that you know uh you you may you may consider to be above you in in their level of understanding of this issue and maybe you're being naive and it, it that kind of doubt started to creep in and so i stopped doing it for a long time um but now i'm kind of feeling i don't know i've talked to people in my discord chat about this and 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 kind of weighed it out and i've I've really come to this feeling of you know what none of it none of what happened was negative i didn't go through any negative experiences from this in fact all of this catalyzed into me doing what i'm doing now uh, and and i've had so many opportunities and i've learned so much and i've spoken to such fascinating people like yourself and like all the other people i've had on my on my platform and i've 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 got lots of people saying thank you for doing what you do and it's like wow okay you know this all led to this i i can't find any negative aspects to it and you know yeah there are there are people like oh well you know they're playing the long game it could be a long manipulation it's like well if it's a long manipulation right now everything seems to be going pretty pretty hunky dory for me so you know i just don't think that it's i don't think that it's a negative thing with ce5 i i've struggled to find testimonies from people who have engaged in exactly what we're talking about positively aligned uh conscious conscious engagement with the phenomenon i can't find any testimonies of people that have had abductions or horrific experiences traumatizing experiences uh, maybe there are a few out there but it really does seem to me that there's a a, a disconnect between these two things it, it's not perhaps the same intelligences the the ones that are taking people out of their beds and they're waking up and they're getting experimented on and they have you know uh really traumatizing experiences i i don't think that's the same thing as ce5 yeah it's really i mean that's again that's that's really hard to say it is um i don't i, I mean based on the experiences i've had it's hard for me to imagine that that intelligence that i had contact and interaction with would somehow do anything like that i mean i i i think that you know we should definitely you know be open-minded and listen to the people who who have had negative experiences and and again when you when you talk about the positive and the negative there's really an entire field of research and it's not again it's not black and white if you look at the the free foundation or what 
it has been called the Edgar Mitchell Foundation with Ray Hernandez, yeah. which is, is kind of it's now CCRI, the Conscious Contact Research Institute, which, uh, you know, even Dean Radin's associated with um, and, and Rudy Shields. And, and, and again, a lot of um, really um, kind of informed people, people who have been interested in this and uh, for many years and have done the research. You know, even the ones, and I'm, I'm not trying to paint the picture of positivity here, but I, it's it's like even people who had initial negative experiences, a lot of them turned around and said, "Oh, yeah. you know, some of them were, and then some of them were good, and and then, um, but it, they they, it it grew on them in a way where. They had initial negative experiences, maybe one, maybe two, and then they started having positive experiences. I think there's just a lot that we don't know. Um, and again, for a lot of people, yeah, that's that's scary in the sense where we have a shadow cast of uncertainty. Um, because you know we're clearly dealing with an intelligence that seems. Um, you know, vastly more advanced. So that puts us in, in a vulnerable position either way, you know, no matter which way you, you look at it, you know, we're dealing with an intelligence that, I mean, again, if, if it wanted to, it could just probably do whatever it wanted, basically, right? If it wanted to annihilate us, if it wanted to enslave us, there's probably only so much we can do. Um, so I don't, I don't want to make it completely negative either, but it, it kind of looks like, you know, the the UFO phenomenon uh, is is running the show. Um, so that's that's one way to look at it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really it's hard to say because the people who have been doing CE five and I've, I've literally interacted with thousands. Um, you know, I created the first CE five social networks and. You know, even individually, on an individual basis, I've spoken to thousands of people um, who have done CE5 for years. And those people like go out and they do a CE5 um, with the in positive intention for, you know, beneficial or, you know, prosaic contact, if I can say it that way, genuinely, repeatedly have have positive experiences and that's like 99% of, of people. Um, so that's a very strong track record. And if there's deviations from that, it is the extreme minority of, of the information, the data and the people and the experiences. Um, and I, I don't know what to make of that, that deviance of, of um, the negative experiences because even free reported the, the you know, or um, CCRI in their study of 4,000 people reported that actually close to 90% of contact is positive, even though there's a lot of the fear stuff pushed out there. 90% um, of it is actually positive contact It's looked at in a positive way by the experiencers. Um, and I've asked, I've asked invisible college people what they think, you know, why do, why do some people have, have positive experiences and some people have negative. And um, at the time I asked them, they just, they, they have no idea, you know, um, and, and those are some really bright people. So if they have no idea, 
I mean, again, does does somebody in in some somewhere in in some skiff or government position know the phenomenon and its intentions and all that? I, ha- I have no idea, but that's a uh, that's again we're the only way we're gonna we're gonna cross that that um, road, so to speak, or that impasse is is to have disclosure and open contact. That's the only way we're going to get closer. And and even then people are still going to have their doubts and skepticism and reservations. And that's fine. That's all part of the natural process, but we're not going to have those answers until we're, we are in a situation where we have, you know, even if there's not disclosure, some kind of open contact, uh, an event that occurs where the, the UFO phenomenon, or at least some of the intelligences um, associated with the UFO phenomenon, just basically do their own disclosure of some sort, which is absolutely entirely possible. Yeah, because we we could look at everything that's happened with the Tic Tacs and everything as a provocative, you know, uh, you know, all this disclosure almost being provoked by the phenomenon, with them knowing that this is how we're going to react by starting the disclosure process, you know, in some yeah. way. Yeah. Like, I, I I think it's just going to get weirder and weirder, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's kind of a long answer, but no, uh, I appreciate the answer. Um, I reckon we should probably probably call it a night. It's coming up. My microphone almost fell over. Then coming up on uh, coming up on two hours now, which has been awesome, man. Like it's always good to talk to you, James. Like you know, I, I there are certain interviews where I have to kind of prepare myself and and get into a certain headspace. And and with you, it's just talking to a friend. You know, it's just talking about something that we're both really interested in, both have experiences in. Um, I'd really encourage everyone listening, if you haven't already, to check out Engaging the Phenomenon. Give it a subscribe. I'll put a link in the description box below and a link to Twitter as well, as well as uh, Meta Perspective, which is James's uh, new channel, kind of dedicated to meditation and the philosophies around that type of uh, that type of thing. And uh, yeah, man, absolutely a pleasure to have you on as always. And um, I'm sure we'll we'll sort something out soon and have another talk. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's always great talking to you. And I definitely, uh, next time I come on or we'll arrange it somehow where we do a more kind of meta perspective talk and and get into kind of uh, meditation, spiritual awakening and psychedelics, because that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. uh, fascinating conversation. And, I, you know, it, they all have really uh, kind of interesting implications. Oh, dude, totally. I mean, you know, when it comes, especially when it comes to, uh, for me at least, in terms of the psychedelics and and the kind of resurgence of interest that we're seeing in that through uh, Western science, I I've said it a couple of times, but it's it's kind of like it's to me, it almost feels like a beautiful Trojan horse. It's this, it, you know, we're going to scrutinize these things under the lens of sensible, you know, materialistic science. And through that, they might start discovering some pretty novel ideas around consciousness when we start, you know, breaking down what these things are actually doing. And uh, yeah, I think I think that the the resurgence of discussion around UFOs happening at the same time as discussions around psychedelics, which is pretty much just a discussion around consciousness happening at the same time doesn't seem coincidental to me. It seems like some sort of you know, call it divine, divine intervention, but uh, it, it they they seem to be very complementary to each other.
Yeah, and then you tie in the 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 human the missing human link in history. Yeah, with that, it's just like almost like the rev- revelation of who we are. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, so we will definitely have more conversations (laughs) around that kind of thing. Definitely a a part of it that's a a big interest to me. And I know that I will learn a thing or two from you because of your background in meditation. I mean, I've, um, you know, I'm a basic, basic practitioner of meditation and I don't do it um, religiously, which I probably should. I I shouldn't say religiously, but I don't do it every single day. Um, which I, I need to get back into, especially because I want to start doing CE5 again. But yeah, that's that's a that's an aspect of your expertise that I could definitely benefit from. So uh, we, we will sort something out like that in the future. But until then, dude, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs>